Welcome to Bethel. It's good to see you guys. Go ahead and have a seat. Do you guys know what day it is? Anybody? Anybody? It's National Yo-Yo Day. Yes, yo-yo. Okay, so a lot of people know a lot about your pastor. You, you know, he shares a lot, not a lot of secrets, but there are some things you don't quite know about him. He, he shared with you guys before that I was kind of hard to get. He had to, like, really pursue me. Well, one of the ways that he, you know, like, was showed off to me was his yo-yo skills. And so, Pastor, why don't you come up here a second? Um, he already got to practice with the first service, so now he should be really good. Um, well, this is how you won me over, dear. I didn't know she was going to do this when I left the house this morning. I had no idea. I haven't touched a yo-yo in a while. So I saw it in her purse before service, <laughs> first service, and did a little practice. <laughs> so okay. hopefully it'll work so out. So let's see how you I gotta, want me I over. I got to make sure it works real oh, quick. Oh, yeah, that's good. Okay. No, that's not good. Okay. It lights up. It's fancy. fancy oh, it's yoga. not going to work. All right. Walk the dog. Woo! Walking the dog. Okay, <laughs> okay. All right. This is the hard one. Hey. Woo! What's that one called? I have no idea. Okay, that was fancy. Triangle to triangle. Thank you. Okay, yes, yes. okay. What's Rock next? Rock the cradle. That's what it is. Thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. Okay, what's next? Um, there's this one called Around the World, which I don't oh. know if it's going to work. That one's scary. Nope, done. Oh, did it break? Sorry. <laughs> okay, so happy yo yo guys day, guys. No. We are so glad that you are here today. And whether you're visiting with us online or in one. person, um, we're just so glad that you guys are here. Um, if you're, when you visit with us, we'd love to connect with you because we want to get to know you. And the best way to do that is to go to our website at mybethel.cc connect. And then there's a place there for you to fill out your information, just a name and number. And if you're in the um, house today, on the seat back in front of you, there's um, visitor information right there. That The reason that we ask you to do that is not so we can drive you crazy. Uh, it's just so we can reach out to you and see if you have any questions, see how we can serve you, and just kind of get to know you a little bit better. Um, we are in week four of our sermon series called Voices. Who are you listening to? And today is going to be about that still small voice. Um, it cracked me up when Ray said it because I try to be really good at this as a mom. And, um, I, you know, on purpose, I'm like, I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to yell. And so I can ask him to brush his teeth about seven times really easily. Hey, go ahead and brush your teeth. All right. Did you get that done? Did you get that done? Okay, go ahead and brush your teeth now. All right. Let's go. Did you brush your teeth? And by like the seventh time, I, I've lost it. And there's no small voice at all. And I'm yelling, <laughs> just, just brush your teeth so we can get out of here. And I think sometimes we look at God in that same way, and we think maybe he is the same way, just like screaming at us, just, just get it done. But really, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what God's word teaches us. So we're going to look today and see a little bit um, more about God's small voice. So let's get started. Um, voices. So we're in week four. We've been going through this series because all of us have voices that we listen to, people that influence our lives. Now, we're not talking about the voices in your head that a little, this little scary, it's not that, okay? It's more the voices that have your attention and that actually will influence you. All of us kind of have like a table on our shoulders and there's these little 
people that are talking to us, and you're like, you're a creep. No, it's these little voices that we carry with us. Uh, they start with our parents. Our parents have a seat at the table, and as we get older, it doesn't matter how old we are, we hear the voice of our parents saying, oh, don't do that. Oh, yes, do this. Oh, you know, you represent your family better, um, and so we have our parents speaking into our ears. Uh, we also have our peers at school or at college. We also have our neighborhood friends, and then we have uh, maybe religion or church or maybe a coach that was very influential in your life, and your coach is still has a seat at the table in your, in your ear, or possibly it's um, a pastor or some bad religious experience where you feel guilty and shame, and, and you carry around this, this kind of identity of like, oh, I'm doing the wrong thing, because you have this voice on your shoulder that's condemning you. It's a condemn, condemning voice. We all have voices, and some of us have the voice of culture and the voice of religion, and we're all carrying around these voices. We're trying to discern which voice do we follow, because every voice is a little different. We have the patriotic voice, we have the ethnic voice, we have the expectations or our spouse or our bosses. It's they're, they're all there, and there's everyone that has a seat at the table, so to speak. So this week what we're trying to do is we're trying to explore the still, small voice of God. This series came about uh, by a conversation I had with one of my friends, and he was talking about trying to discern the voice in his head. And there's a voice that's really, really loud, and he's trying to figure out which voice is the voice he should follow, uh, which is the influence that he should follow. And, and as our conversation developed, I said, hey, I think we need to think about this differently and see what Scripture has to say about it. Which voice should we listen to? Two weeks ago, we had Pastor Trey here, and he spoke about the voice of the shepherd. And it was an incredible sermon. If you haven't watched it, go on our YouTube channel, and you can watch, watch the, the sermon from two weeks ago. But he walked through how Jesus Jesus is the good shepherd, and there's other false shepherds that want our attention. This week, we're going to talk about the small whisper or the small voice. I don't know about you guys, but when I've read the Jewish scriptures, these are the scriptures from Genesis to, Deuter uh, to uh, Malachi in the Old Testament. Uh, that's what we call the Old Testament. When you read the Jewish scriptures, you see different men and women that actually heard and walked with God, heard his audible voice. And, and sometimes we read that and you're like, man, I wish I was that person or I wish I was that, uh, that prophet. But actually it was the prophets and priests and kings that would hear the voice of God. The average person didn't hear the voice of God. Well, you fast forward into the New Testament era or the, the Christian scriptures, Matthew to Revelation, and you see that Jesus himself came to this earth. He walked as a man and he walked with men and women and led them and connected them to the Father. And it's left us with this desire to hear from God through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, and we're like, okay, so how does, how does this happen? There's, there's a passage actually in 1 Kings chapter 19, and this passage we're going to look at today, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but this passage is kind of a um, climax to a story that was being written with the prophet Elijah. He's one of the most famous Old Testament prophets. He performed incredible miracles. This prophet actually talked and walked with God. God audibly spoke to him. He spoke to him so often that Elijah became kind of numb to hearing God's voice and didn't even know if God really was speaking to him because he heard him so much. This one man heard from God normally. He performed incredible miracles. He heard God audibly, and yet he didn't know if God really loved him and really if God was for him. I want to walk through kind of a quick story to catch us up where we are in chapter 19, but I encourage you, if you'll go back to 1 Kings 16 and you just start reading, you'll see the incredible story of Elijah. It's one of my favorite Old Testament characters um, in Scripture, but 
So Elijah, um, there was this climax because he had told, he, he, he was the enemy of a king, King Ahab. Ahab and his wife Jezebel, one of the most wicked uh, king and queen uh, of the day, uh, really in history in the Jewish, um, the Jewish monarch. And so you have this king, Ahab, and Jezebel, and Elijah took it upon himself to be their enemy. He's like, I'm going to speak against them. They're the worst, and I'm going to cry out against them all the time. And it came to such a climax that Elijah said, there's not going to be any rain for three years until I say so. And sure enough, the rain dried up, the creeks dried up, the ponds dried up, and everyone was in a, a serious condition of drought for three years because Elijah said so. Well, then he called this competition, this contest, in a place called Mount Carmel. And he called all the prophets of Baal, which were anti-God prophets. He called all the congregation. He called the king. And he called them to the mount. And he said, hey, we're going to once and for all decide whose God is God and whose God is not. The, the God Baal or God Jehovah, God the Father, God Almighty. And so he said, build an altar. And we'll ask God to rain down fire. If your God rains down fire, we know he's the God. If Jehovah rains down fire, we know Jehovah's God. And so they had this contest, and all day long the prophets of Baal were jumping around, screaming and dancing, and trying to call down fire from Baal. Now Elijah, he wasn't just sitting there passive. He thought this was funny because he knew nothing was going to happen, and he started poking fun at these prophets. He started, like, totally making fun of them. He says, hey, I think, I think Baal's sleeping. You need to be a little louder so you can wake him up. And I think he's in the bathroom. So you better wait till he gets out of the bathroom. And oh, he's got some other thing going on. And so he's just making fun of them the whole time while they're trying, they're cutting themselves and dancing and chanting and trying to call down fire from Baal. Didn't happen. Well, then Elijah walked up and he prepared his altar and he poured water on it, which you can imagine is very costly because there was a drought. Poured water on his, his altar and he said, God, once and for all, show that you are God. Boom, fire came down and consumed the altar. And in this moment, it was a moment of victory for Elijah, and he had conquered all the prophets of Baal. He immediately turned around and began, he told, uh, he told Ahab, he goes, hey, there's water coming, the rain's coming, you better get back to, the, uh, back to the palace because the rain's about to come. And Elijah took off running as the chariots were going, and Elijah outran the chariots all the way to the palace. He ran it faster than the chariots ran. They got bogged down in the mud because the rain started coming. Well, you would think, okay, so this is Elijah, a man that heard from God, saw fire drop from heaven. You thought he was at a kind of at a great place. He knew God loved him. He knew God was for him. He was going to protect him. And then Jezebel came out, and she was really ticked off. She said, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. And that did something to Elijah. It caused him to fall into depression and fear, and he ran. He ran for his life. This very man that saw fire fall from heaven. In the chaos of the miracles that were happening all around him, he disconnected from God that loved him, and he ran. We're going to pick up his story here in verse uh, 8 of chapter 19. Chapter 19, verse 18. And, and, And before we read, this might be you today. You might have run away throughout all the chaos of life, and you might find yourself where... Elijah found himself in a cave. You may be so numb with life and your experiences of pain that you don't want to come out. Today, I believe God will call you out of the cave. Verse 8. So he got up and ate and drank. This is Elijah. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, 
what are you doing here, Elijah? Imagine this, he was depressed and sad, and he was, had enough nourishment to go 40 days, and he crawled into a cave, Mount Sinai, where God had given the Jewish people the commandments. And he's sitting there in a cave, and God doesn't leave him alone. He says, hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? So right now in this moment in your life, no matter where you are, the question that God is asking you is, what are you doing here? I don't know why you came to Bethel today. I see some new faces. I see some old friends and I see a family. I don't know. Why are you here today? What are you doing? Verse 10, Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets, which was not true, but that's what he thought. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. We see later on that there actually were hundreds and hundreds of, of God followers, God-fearing people that were not bowing to Baal. Verse 11, God says to, to Elijah, Go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I'd like to pray for you before we continue. Let's pray. God, this morning as we are reading through Scripture, and, and God, this moment, my, my prayer is that you would that you would speak to us, that you draw us out of the cave, God, no matter what our life experience is, no matter what we've done, where we've been, what we're going through right now, my prayer is that this moment this morning would be a disruption in our lives and that all the noise and chaos is not where you are. You're actually in that gentle whisper calling us into a relationship with you. God, we want to hear your voice. We want to know you. And so show us the Father today, as we read through Scripture. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I read through this uh, passage, like I said, Elijah is one of my, one of my favorite uh, characters to read because he's so human. Um, he's, just a, he's just a man, and he has weaknesses, and he has success, and he has, he's depressed, and he has anxiety, and he has fear. He has all the emotions that we experience and he was so used to hearing God's voice that he didn't even realize that he was hearing his voice. He ran out of fear, even though God was with him. He ran into a cave, and then God whispered him out of the cave. And God so disrupted Elijah's life because he wanted to meet him. And so I have a question for you because I think a lot of us go through the motions so many times of either religion, of church, of a, of a Christian experience, and we do it so much that we don't really realize what's happening, and then we realize we don't even know God. We're just disconnected from him. So here's a question for you. Have you ever been so busy serving God that you didn't hear from him anymore? Have you ever been so busy doing the right thing that God no longer spoke to you? Have you ever felt like you were just spinning your wheels and not going anywhere? 
You were going through the motions and yet nothing was changing, nothing was happening. Have you ever felt like your prayers were actually hitting the roof and coming back down, not going anywhere? You ever felt that? Because I have. And I think Elijah had gone through so much that he was at this like numb plateau state where he's like, I don't even know if this is real. So I want you to do something for me and it's, I know it's 11 o'clock, 11.30 on a Sunday morning, but I want you to close your eyes just for a minute, just for yourself, and I want you to think about something for a minute. I'm going to read a few things. I'm going to talk through a few things, but I just want you to, where you're sitting, just close your eyes and just listen to my voice. Don't, don't think about what you're going to do later today. We could call that the windstorm. Don't, don't think about what your week is like. That's kind of like the earthquake that's coming. Just, just in this moment, let your fear and your doubt and your failures and your anxiety just slip away because those things are like the fire. And just close your eyes for a minute and reflect on what God is asking of you. Where are you right now? Are, are you in a cave? Are you isolated? Are you going through the motions? Or are you experiencing a full life right now? Now, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hear the Father, the voice of the Father, and I want you to hear him say, what are you doing here? And just sit in that for a moment and ask yourself the question, what am I doing here? Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Exodus 14 says, The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Psalm 62 says, Let all that I am wait patiently and quietly before God. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, Make it your goal to live a quiet life. What are you doing here? Now you can open your eyes. What did God tell you in that moment? What, what was going through your mind and where did you find yourself in that moment? And this takes, a, this takes a little bit of honesty, a little vulnerability to realize where am I on my spiritual journey? Have I, have I experienced so much that I'm now hiding in a cave or am I in the desert and am I hungry? Am I famished? I'm in a drought. Where, where am I? Today, we may tell ourselves, well, that happened to Elijah. That was in his day. What about today? How can I know and how can I hear God's voice today? I want to tell you about an experience I had um, in Central America. My wife and I were missionaries there, and um, we were church planners in Costa Rica. Both my parents had started a ministry in, Cent in Panama, and we began to work with them in this ministry in Panama. And there's a, a group of islands called the San Blas Islands or the Kuna Islands off the Caribbean coast of, of Panama. And it's a small, there's about 350 islands, they're all really small, but there's about 50 of them that are inhabited by these natives uh, called Kuna Indians. Uh, you can look them up, and they're very colorful, and uh, they're very animistic, meaning they worship the sun, moon, and stars. But there's a, there's a big group after about a 10-year ministry there that a big group of them are Jesus followers. They've realized that, hey, this is not just all there is. There's, there's a Father that loves me. And so we were involved in this ministry, and it was a really, some of you guys have been, it's been a, 
it's been an interesting, uh, interesting thing to be a part of. My daughter is actually a Kuna Indian, and it's a, it's a blessing to be able to bring, um, to bring that culture into our home, and uh, she's full of life, but I, the experience we've had on the islands is so different. Um, have you seen those posters that are like vacation posters or uh, honeymoon posters where you see like this, this, this walkway out to the ocean, and there's this thatch roof you know, hut sitting over the ocean, and it says paradise awaits, and, you know, sign up here, and Christy and I look at each other, and we're like, yeah, we know what that is. <laughs> That's the bathroom, and it's hanging over the ocean right there. It's kind of uncomfortable, and, and so there's this picture that we think is paradise, but then you actually are there, and you're like, ooh, this is different than what I expected. There's no luxuries. There's no running water. It's a different experience, and so one of these moments, we were um, on the islands doing some ministry there. We would do kids' program in the morning, youth in the afternoon, and adults in the evening, and there was always a two- or three-hour period in the afternoon where we could go explore. Now, it was an island. You couldn't really go about 10 minutes. You were done, um, so we would get on a little canoe, and we'd go explore different islands that were around there, and there was this one island that they said, hey, you need to go to this island, or you have time. It's, um, it's called Igu- La Iguana, or the Iguana Island. If you'll go to this island, man, it's beautiful. You can go, and you can pick up coconuts, and it's, you can see iguanas. It's really cool, and I was like, well, how far away is it? And I was like, oh, it's about 10 minutes away. In my head, I was like, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Oh, it's probably like three hours away. That's how they, that's how they work, because in their head, it's just like, yeah, it's just right over there. It was about two hours away, and so we get in the canoe. We go to this island, super dangerous. The waves were really high that day. I'm not sure why. And so our, our boat, our canoe wanted to tip over. And we found ourselves right at the island, tipped over, and then our boat slammed into the beach. And I was like, we made it. I don't know if we can get off of it, but we made it to the island. And uh, obviously I made it because I'm here. But we got to the island, and it was nothing. I mean, you could, it was a small little thing that was surrounded just by ocean. And this side was a beach, and so all, everybody on the boat just went down the, down the beach, and they were walking. Well, I decided I'm going to go left and kind of explore a little bit. I didn't bring my shoes. I'm not sure why. I was barefoot. And so I'm walking left, and there's all these thorns and this, like, stuff that I'm, uh, rocks and stuff that I'm crawling over on the left side. I'm by myself, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Maybe, maybe God will show me something here. I don't know. And so they're over there. I'm walking this way. And at, at one point, I was like, okay, so when is it dumb to be off by myself? And I saw this little hill. And I said, okay, I'm going to get to the top of that hill, then I'll go back to the group. Well, I crawled up the hill, and I, I'm going to try to describe to you what I saw, but it was the most incredible moment I've ever had in my life, and I was by myself, so it's like a hole-in-one. Nobody can deny it, you know? I mean, I, I know. But, so I'm sitting on this little ridge, and if I, can, if I can kind of paint a picture for you, this little small ridge where back behind me was all the rocks and the, the thorns, but on this side... It was this tall grass, about a foot or foot and a half tall, that was running from the top of the ridge all the way down to the bottom. And when the wind blew, it would like, it would like rustle through the, the grass. And so there was this little tiny valley where the wind would hit it just right, and it's super peaceful. But if, as I kept looking down, there were these giant boulders, like bigger than this building, all stacked up on one another at the bottom of the, of the little valley that I was sitting on. And as I sat there, I was like, well, this is, this is super weird. And if you raise your eyes up out in the ocean, just open ocean, these big 20, 30-foot waves were coming, and they were just rolling in, and they were smacking on those rocks. And so I'm about 200, feet, or 200 yards from the bottom of the hill where this peaceful valley is coming up, and these waves would roll, crash the rocks, and then that spray would spray up as high as what I was sitting. And I sat down, and part of me was like, I need to go get some people so they can see this. And part of me was like, nope, I'm just sitting right here. I'm going to just take it all in. And so I sat there for a few minutes, and I just could not believe what I was seeing in front of me. I, 
I don't even know if I'll ever be able to go back. I don't even know where that island is. So I, I don't even know. And I'm sitting there going, okay, God, are, what are you trying to show me? What's going on here? I, I got to tell you something really bizarre is that in that moment, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen, but it wasn't until two years ago that God used that very moment to speak to me. Two years ago, we were at a conference, and there was a speaker, and he goes, think of a peaceful place you've been to in your life. Just take yourself there. And it was this little valley, rocks, and wave experience. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's that place over in the Kuna Islands. And so I'm sitting there in a, in a building in Edmond, in a chair, but all of a sudden I was sitting on that little ridge, and I could see everything. And he goes, now just think about this. And he goes, God is there. And he's going he's gonna to be right next to you. And I just, I just like on the ridge looked over and there was this like thing sitting here. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And in my head, okay, so it's all in my head. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then, and then the guy said, now this being is going to put his arm around you. And I know this is creepy, okay, so I'm just kind of telling you my journey. And he goes, he's going to put his arm around you and he loves you. And it was so weird that I'm sitting in Edmond, but my mind is in Central America and this moment where God spoke to me and drew me in and said, hey, I did this for you. I did this for you. And it was such a moment that was super powerful to me. And I'm like, okay, so what does that even mean? I think hearing God's voice today, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it around to say, okay, I was doing ministry for God, and yet God disrupted me a little bit in that moment so that I could hear him and I could speak him or see him. And then years later, he brought this thing back to my mind to remind me that he is there and he's calling me back into a relationship with himself. Now, today, you might be able to hear God's voice in an audible way, but we need to understand that God is spirit. He is beyond our physical expectation or any experience we've ever had. He can speak audibly, he can speak through dreams, he can speak through experiences, through his word, but nothing is beyond his purview or control. He can do whatever he wants because he is God. But here's some things that I've found in my life and some experiences and practical things in my personal life. A lot of us won't have an opportunity to go to some magical island. That's not our normal experience. But what I've found, there's three things that God in my life speaks to me, and it's these three ways. The first way is scripture. Scripture speaks, and the Spirit guides. Scripture speaks, and the Spirit guides. I want us to look at John chapter 16, verse 12. It says, there is so much more I want to tell you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He was physically with them. He was walking with them in life, and he goes, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I say the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. In these short three verses, he packed in a bunch of information that there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. They're all one. They're in community. And the Spirit will guide us to truth through Scripture. I've said this before since I've been at Bethel for five and a half years, and I'll keep saying it until God takes me away. Scripture being in Scripture is the most powerful thing you can do to hear from God, and it's the most powerful thing you can do every single day is to be in God's Word, because once you get into God's Word, it will get into you. It will make a difference in your life, and it will change your life. Being in Scripture every day gives me the best shot to hear from God, being in Scripture every day. Now, I have kind of a note as I was pondering this, unfortunately, I think there's so many people within Christianity, quote-unquote, or in church world that have a sense of guilt 
and a sense of duty to read Scripture every day. So they have this, like, list of things to do in the morning. Brush my teeth, comb my hair, take a shower. Maybe out of, out of order, but reading Scripture. And it's kind of like a checklist. So I got up, brushed my teeth, took a shower, washed my hair, read the Bible, prayed, done. That, that is the culture we live in within Christianity. And so there's some people that have a sense of duty and a sense of guilt when they read Scripture every day. And the problem is this will for sure impede the Spirit's guiding in your life. We don't read Scripture as an obligation. We read Scripture to hear from God. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and you may never come back to church. I don't know. But if that is you and you're just out of duty and obligation reading Scripture every day, stop. Just don't do it. Because it's no good. When we get into Scripture, it's a sense of hunger to hear from God. And if you're not approaching Scripture with hunger, this is not condemnation. This is not judgment. This is not shame. This is just the facts. It, it, I, I said this in the first service at the end. Have you ever read a book for school and just read the words and then went to try to take the test without truly comprehending what you were reading? How'd that test go for you? Right? Reading scripture is not a test, but if we're just going through the motions and letting words fall into our head, and the thing is, here's, here's the truth. In church, we've all heard, oh, the word doesn't come back void. Well, that's true, but try to plant the seed on a rock. Without the soil, it doesn't, nothing happens. And so this is, not, this is not guilt or shame or condemnation. What I'm asking you to do is take your Bible, and if that's you, just set it aside for a few days and see if you have a desire to get back into God's Word. That's a, like a check. Do you have a desire to hear from God? Do you have a desire to get back in God's Word? And you say, what if I don't? Well, then let's have another conversation. Because maybe you don't know Jesus, and that's good. It's good to find out. You know, there's so many people in our world that are walking away from religion, walking away from the church, walking away from any kind of Christianity because they've never asked themselves the questions and never been curious about why don't I hear from God? Why is it good for everyone else and not for me? And we want to take some time and let the Spirit guide us. We want to get into Scripture so that the Spirit leads us to truth. Because that's what he promises to do. Second thing that I've learned in my own life is pay attention to your thoughts. Pay attention to your thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Here's one of the obstacles. This is what we're working through. We capture their rebellious thoughts our own and theirs, and teach them to obey Christ. There are so many distractions in our world today, more than ever in history. You carry around the computer in your pocket, and it's the biggest distraction, the dings and the alarms and the notifications and the social medias. We have so many distractions, and we're distracting ourselves right out of a relationship with God. And we need to realize what is getting us. We need to realize what has our attention. We need to pay attention to what has our attention. And when we understand where our minds are going, where our thoughts are going, we can capture those and we can give them to Jesus. We can say, you know what, I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to let you take care of my mind. My mind is going a different way. I'm going to let you take care of it. Capture your thoughts and give them to Jesus. The last thing is say yes to what the Father is telling you. Say yes to what the Father is telling you. 
there's, there is a yes to Jesus, and then there's a yes to the next thing he tells you, and then there's a yes to the next thing, and so on. What's your next yes? What is your next yes? Acts chapter 10, verse 28, this is about Peter. Peter is the disciple, the apostle, the follower of Jesus that just had a big mouth. He had ADHD. That dude was all over the place. He just said it like it was, and you couldn't get him in order. But as he spent more time with Jesus, his mind began to center. He meant to spend time with Jesus. He captured his thoughts, and then he began to say yes. And this is after Jesus was gone. Verse 28 of chapter 10 of Acts, it says, Peter told them, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean, so I come without objection as soon as you sent for me. I was sent for now tell me why you have sent for me. He said yes to something before that he said no. And it's because he heard God say, that's no longer unclean. Let's go. So what is God asking you? What is your next yes? Jesus is doing the guiding and directing. What does he want for you? Have you ever gotten a thought in your head that said, hey, you need to call that person or text that person or reach out to that person or, or it's just someone that you haven't even thought of in forever. Boom, and they pop in your head. Why do you think that is? Just a firing of the brain cells? Or do you think possibly God's like, hey, you know, that person, why don't you drop and pray for them real quick? Why don't you send them a text of encouragement or a note? If we would all say yes and all listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, man, our world would be a different place. Our family for sure would be. What's your next Yes. Today is a disruption. You might be in your cave, and today God is calling you out. And what I want you to do, and what I'd like to do and invite you to do, is to take a moment of reflection in the stillness of God's voice. My question is, are you ready to come out of the cave? Let's pray. God, this morning as we wrap up and as we think about all that you've done for us and all that you're going to do for us, it's really easy to read Scripture and tell ourselves that was for them, that's not for me. But God, we know that you are a Father that loves us. You loved us so much that you sent your Son to invade our space, to cause a disruption in the galaxy cause a disruption in the universe and the spiritual realm and the physical realm. And this very Jesus came to this earth and took my place, became a substitute for my life. And Jesus came to connect the spiritually disconnected to the Father. And our first yes is to Jesus. And so this morning, God, I pray that if there's anyone here that needs to say yes to Jesus, that your spirit would draw them and they'd simply say yes. God, for all of us that are your children and those of us that have been going through the motions, my prayer is that you disrupt us and hear your gentle whisper. You call us out of the cave. You ask us the same question, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And what we read in Scripture, God, is that you have a purpose and a plan for each of us, and that purpose is life. That purpose is not running in fear. That purpose is life. So this morning, God, just draw us out of the cave 
into a personal relationship with you and help us to say our next yes. We are grateful for you. We are thankful that you did not leave us where we were, but you came and walked with us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning I want to invite you to stand and and you may say to yourself, you know, that's good for Elijah, and that was good for Paul, and that was good for Peter, and hey, that has not, that's not my story. That's not where I live. But what we're going to sing, and, and the, the worship that we're going to step into here over the next few minutes is, God, I need you to change the situation and do it again. What, what you did with Elijah, and what you did with Peter, and what you did with Paul, would you do it again in my life? Because your promises are still good. You're still the same God. Scripture says it's a thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years. That means two days ago, you did this for Peter. So can you do it for me today? So let's all stand together and let's sing and worship. Let's do it again. So I'm curious. Um, I've told, I've, I guess I've always thought that when someone doesn't feel like doing something, you just keep doing the right thing. Like you're like, oh, like in marriage and relationships with kids and different things, I've always told people and thought that you just keep doing the right thing, the good thing, until you get through this time, and then it'll eventually get better. So first of all, is that good advice? That, that works for a certain segment of the population. Okay, okay. okay. so, so like, about that. So, so like then, you are an extremist, and yeah. so if you're not doing the great thing, you're doing the wicked thing. I'm just kidding. Sorry. You're doing like the extreme, and so there's well, some I'm people. Well, carrots or donuts. There's no way well, I know. In between, right? <laughs> exactly. Salad, like I, donuts. I don't, you know? I don't know how to go in between. Right. So, so when the pastor, which, whoa, the pastor told us not to read our Bibles today. That, if that's what you that's heard, okay. okay. No, no, I get it. I get exactly what you said. But when you look at something like that, in my mind, I guess I've always thought, you know, you have to, even when you don't feel like it, you just keep doing the right thing. You just mm. keep getting into his word and you just keep reading it and eventually it'll, it'll work its way out. And so, right. so I don't know. I mean, well, I think I'm, I'm 44 years old and I've kind of walked through a lot of different seasons. My personality is different than, than Christy's. Uh, she is a white knuckle person. Like I'm just going to white knuckle through it. Um, I'm a little more flexible and, and I think different personalities are, are different and the way we treat scripture is different because it's not like a one size fit all. I think scripture speaks to everyone, but there's also, you, you got to look around. We have to be honest with ourselves as the church, as the, the big church, People are walking away from God, from Christianity, from religion, just as a, as a whole. And the reason is, is because we've never given ourselves space to ask questions. We've never given ourselves space to process through. We've just kind of just knuckled through it. Like there's personalities that are like, I need to lose weight. I'm going to do it today. Boom. And they just stop eating, you know. But there's other people that are like, I just can't do it. I need my ice cream and I need my Oreos, you know, gluten-free Oreos. You know, I got to have that. So it's like there's different personalities and there's different ways to walk through it and there's not just one way to do it. And I think what I'm saying is in Scripture, like if you're reading Scripture just to read Scripture, you're missing the point of reading Scripture. Right. And so it's an engaging thing. And so this is one thing that I recommend is like, I'm sorry if this kind of rocks you a little bit, but if you're just going through the motions and nothing's happening, just stop because it's not doing you any good. It's really not doing anything for you. So take a break and see if that desire for scripture is there. And if the desire for scripture is there, then pick it back up and begin to walk through and meditate with it. If it's not there, that's not a bad place to be. It's actually like, okay, so if I have no desire for scripture, then how is my spiritual condition? Like, what is my true spiritual condition with the Father? What you have to understand is that for centuries, millennia, people didn't have scripture. 
They had a relationship, a community. They had a place where they could wrestle through the questions. Well, for some reason, we have stopped that. For some reason, we're just like, here it is, read it, deal with it. I won't stop questioning you, okay? I know. <laughs> no, no, it happens I all the appreciate time. that. No, I love that you allow questions and that that's a good thing to question things. And I don't know if that's just what stood out My to approach me. to things is different than other people's. And other people have a different approach, and that's fine. Where we land is when you read in Scripture that there is a God that created me and loves me, and actually a God that's not distant, but he's close, Right. and a God that wants good for me, an abundant life, and he's reached out of heaven, and he's actually come into this thing he's created, and then he took my place. And if I, if I read that and actually grasp that, man, it's life-changing. It is just drastically different than anything else we could experience. And it's so unfortunate that for generation after generation, we've taken young people and young believers and put them into a system to say, just read your Bible and pray, everything will be good. That's actually not true, and you know it to not to be true. So let's walk through community together and let's actually wrestle through this together in community. That's the way to do it. Yeah, I know. I think it's like rules are easier, yeah. right? Just, oh, I'm just going to do these couple things and I'm good. Right. And so actually looking at it and asking those questions right. and thinking, okay, how do I answer that question when God says, where are you? Huh, okay, where am I? Where right. am I in why this? Why are you here? And answering the, sorry, yeah, yeah. why are no, you here? Who are you? Why, uh, are, you, why and, are you here? And, and ask, answering those questions and being honest with yourself that's where you grow, and that's right. where you grow closer to him. So. And the vulnerability is, I've told you guys this before, I have a, the Bible app as a blessing and a curse. They got that stupid streak <laughs> on there, you know, and it's like you go through the streaks. If you guys are on the Bible app, great. If you're not, maybe you should avoid it. But it's like the Bible, I usually tell everybody, get it in the Bible app, but it really ticks me off because there's a no streak. No grace. There's no grace There's in the a streak, Bible app. and then you miss a day. You're back to one. Like, can I have a grace button, like a grace piece of candy? Like, <laughs> keek, you know, but no. So anyway, blessing and a curse, but you look at the Bible app and you're like, step away, and then you go back to zero and you're like, well, why did I do that? And it's frustrating, you know? And so are you reading the Bible to get that little streak or are you reading the Bible because actually God's speaking to you? Right. Yeah. Questions. Ask yourself the hard questions. Right. We're so glad that you guys are here with us today. And that's what we want for you. We, want, we don't want it to just be a check mark. We want it to be a relationship right. um, with Christ, with each other. And um, so whether you're up or down today, happy yo-yo day. Yeah, hey, hey. <laughs> yep, I, I worked on that one for you guys. So we hope you guys have a wonderful week. Um, here at Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Love you guys. Have a good one.